What's up, guys? I'm Gerald. And I'm Nick. And we are the new two peas. And we're reviewing the flash. Get ready. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Get on in here. Two peas on a podcast. Gerald here with you, and of course, my boy over on the flip side in New York State, Nick, is in the house for the very first time as a P. Nicholas, how are you, sir? Welcome, everyone, to Two Bees on a Hivecast. Uh, I'm Nick. What? <laughs> what? what? You hopped on the wrong feed. What? What? Bzz, bzz, mm, he's got like bzz. a... Those that are listening won't know, but he's got like a green... Almost like it's a frog, I guess. But I mean, it kind of looks. See, like I bring the visual thing. elements to the audio medium, yeah, the, and that and that plays super well with an audio audience. And they're like, "Oh, we're on board with this right away." Yeah, they absolutely. Got this. They got this. This is good. We're good. We're good. How are you, baby? It's good to be here. I'm good, man. You know, this is a test run, so we're doing this uh, basically for the patrons and for each other to kind of see how it goes. Because up until this episode, Two Peas was essentially a top five show. A countdown show and we kind of shifted gears and i wanted to get a permanent co-host to come on with me every week and talk movies and my boy nick graciously stepped up to the plate which is perfect because we go way back we we do live stream for the cure together we've been on multiple episodes on each other's shows together etc and we're just friends in real life so it worked out perfectly we're comfortable hey. with each other and well on paper, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's like, wait a second. I don't know if we're getting that deep. So saying, uh, let's keep this strictly professional, uh, Mr. Morris. Strictly professional. I don't know about all this friend shit. But yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm um, excited to see how this kind of works out. You know, I've been watching a ton of movies. I got recently got admitted to a critics group here locally. And I just really want to cover the new stuff, and I didn't get to do that on my show very often unless it was like a year-end show for the best of the year or whatever. And, of course, I know you used to do this week in and week out with Epic Film Guys, so I know mm -hmm. you love critiquing films as well. Love it. So here you are. So how do you feel about this new venture, man? Are you are you excited? I'm good, man. I love I, – I studied, I studied film in school. Like, I, I love analyzing film. I love getting into it, breaking it down. I love – the emotional journeys that sometimes films can take you on. Yep. And it, it's really, really good to be back in that space, like on a more, on a more regular, on a more permanent basis. We're going to do some fun things. We're going to do new stuff, but we're also going to have, we've talked about the roulette wheel, like yourself, myself, patrons, uh, listeners all have a say in there on the roulette wheel and on like something that we might watch if maybe we don't want to watch whatever's out in theaters or, you know, it, it's going to be really, really nice. As long as, as long as now, ladies and gentlemen, I, no horror. Gerald has renounced it. He told me before the recording, he's like, Nick, I'm no longer a horror guy. I did he not said, tell he you said, that. I'm done. Now he's got the sign still hanging behind him, but I know he, he flipped it off before the thing. He's like, I can't do horror anymore, man. I can't stand it <laughs> no, anymore. I, did not I don't tell even you like that. Mia Goth. Mia Goth was, I, I, I don't even like her. Definitely did not say that. All, everything you've heard in the last 10 seconds is a fabrication. Uh, did not come from me. We are going to be covering horror if it's the sh if it's the episode that week, if it's the movie that week. So buckle up, Buttercup. I don't know if you'll you know give any of those a good score or not, and I'll have to tell you why you're wrong for the most part. But we're going to do that. We're going to talk Oscars when it comes to award season. 
I'm an Oscars guy. I'm a horror guy. Less excited for the Oscar stuff than I am for the horror stuff. <laughs> I know, right? Well, if it's movies, we'll cover it and we'll talk about it. We'll, you know, we'll kind of bring our own spin to it and our own kind of camaraderie to it. And I'm looking forward to it, man. Now, one thing I, what we're going to kind of do week in and week out is just kind of up here at the top, the banter. We'll have the main review that we're talking about that week, you know, 30 to 60 minutes, just depending on how long the episode goes. This week, it's The Flash. It's kind of a test run. I don't know if this is going to be out to the public. Maybe it will someday. Maybe it'll stick with the patrons. We'll see how it goes. But in the top, so we're kind of building this kind of cinematic universe. No, no, Uh, that's the the wrong thing. (laughs) We're building this kind of template for the show over the course of this episode and probably at least when we do Mission Impossible in a couple weeks. And we're just going to kind of see what the flow is like and kind of what works. So we'll talk through it on this to Nick, as opposed to just like doing it, you know, like a dry run. So we're also going to kind of banter here at the top about other things that we have seen lately that we enjoy uh, that might be out in theaters or that we caught on streaming or whatever that we're not reviewing uh, full blown review. So I'll throw it to you first. I know you just got out of something really special tonight, actually, that you saw. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that or something else, but in the last, you know, in the last couple of weeks or so, what's some stuff that you've seen cinematically that's kind of turned you on, brother? Well, uh, well, last couple of weeks, I mean, I saw the Flash. Look, now I'm Nick from another universe, and uh, hey, we're still doing the Flash. <laughs> in this universe, I was also the Fonz. Apparently, never mind. No listeners gonna know what that is. Okay, some of them will. Uh, but no, so, finger guns. Yeah, Spider Verse. Spider Verse. I saw Spider Verse uh, across the Spider Verse. Loved that. Fantastic. Wow. I mean, loved that. Loved it. it. Absolutely loved good. it. Uh, I still. I still gotta get my letterbox review up. By the way, my letterbox link. It will mm-hmm. be in the show notes of the episode. I do have a letterbox account now. I'm not gonna like go back historically and review things that I've seen ages ago nah, until and unless I watch them again. Yeah. I got to have them fresh in the mind before I can really do that. So uh, I do have the letterbox, though. That's going to be something I'm also going to be sharing. Like my flash review will be up there after this episode goes out mm-hmm. to patrons and everything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so, yeah, Cross the Spider-Verse. Absolutely loved it. Cannot wait to see how that trilogy wraps up with Beyond the Spider-Verse. Is what are you into or across? Which one's better? Which one did you like better? God, man. Oh, that's tough. It's not. Tough. That's <laughs> it's not. tough. That's t- that's no, it, it is. It is tough because it's the, not it's, tough. It, the journey that Miles goes on to like, you know, try to get like some understanding and acceptance from his family. And meanwhile, Gwen's journey, like with her dad mm-hmm. and like trying to like just be this hero that she is and everything like that. And, and looking to him for acceptance, the, the just smash out of the park, greatness of the art style, the spot. Yeah. I, that's true. I don't know, man. It, I'm going to say cross. I'm going to say across right now, but if, if I'm pretty sure my scores for each one of them are probably tied, I'm pretty sure hovering like around an eight or nine for both of them. I mean, they're both so, great. I, they're both great. I prefer into the spider verse. It just feels a little more complete to me. And it was a little more, uh, like awe-inspiring because you know this I, no you, you know what it is i know what it is it's because it ends on a cliffhanger and you consider it half of a really long movie and you think it's really long movie and then immediately you're just like nope you're out of it because it, <laughs> now it's like the, the, you the don't last know two me chapters, 
the last you two know. chapters is like one five hour long movie. Hey, 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 this is our it first is. episode. You don't know me, but also yeah. that's 100 percent accurate. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Um. I, I mean, I inadvertently maybe that kind of got to me a little bit because I felt like the ending was in the middle of the movie and then it kept going for another hour and then I felt like the ending was the middle. I, like shit started to happen and culminate and then the movie was over to be continued. And I'm the like, journey's uh, just beginning baby. The journey is yeah, just beginning. Strap yourself in. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Sony, please give your animators and artists a break, please. Uh, you've seen a lot of the reports coming out. I'm sure of how overworked insanely those people were to get that movie out. It's beautiful. Well, it looks incredible, <laughs> but man, they need some, they need some much better work. I will tell you, I will tell you in relation to that and to our discussion tonight, I think the animators on the, on the flash probably had a couple too many breaks. <laughs> we'll get into that here shortly. Um, all right. But it's so all good, man. Cause me, you said, you said Logan's all set to be like to do right. cinematic effects for like the next DC. Stuff, yeah. He right? signed up. He signed yeah, up. No, he'll be good. like 12 when it comes out. It'll be we're good, man. We got this. We're, we're good. We're uh, good. He'll do it on his iPad and uh, you know, it'll be on the up. So, so, yeah, so for me, I, I did a double feature today. Actually, at the theater, I went to see no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence, the queen. I absolutely the, freaking love her, bro. Legitimately and, uh, throws that movie on her back and carries, oh God, it, carries it across the finish line. Absolutely. How that. her range, like the amount of range that she has to be able to convey as much emotion as she did, all the physical comedy mm -hmm. that she does in the movie. Uh, and dude, I mean, she still is an unbelievable knockout on oh, top of it all. Smoke show. Yeah, she's she's just absolutely, absolutely incredible. And then I mean, the kid, one of the best. Feldman. How good is that kid to stand toe to toe with Jennifer Lawrence and all those scenes go through such I a know. range of emotion himself? Yeah, it's it's way better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I mean, it, it has its lulls. It definitely yeah. way underuses Matthew Broderick, but <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, where's where's Ferris at? You know, it kind of trailed off a little bit in the last like 20, 30 minutes. Like, I felt like it was yeah. kind of like, what are we doing? Like, let's wrap this up. And it kind of like went on a little too long at the end in the last well, it's because you know you know where this yeah, movie is exactly it's predictable beat for in that beat, way. it's super predictable so mm -hmm. when it doesn't just get to the point of like all right come on like let's have this happen so this can happen so this can happen like it's extremely formulaic but all these movies are those type of movies every single one of them has the same plot it's the cast it's the performances and yeah i mean it, it absolute knockout of the park i really really enjoyed it and i mean dude let's let's just let's just be dudes here for just a second yeah that beach scene though am i right Woo. uh <laughs> i mean it's out it's out there now so i don't think it's a spoiler but we're talking full frontal uh j law here Hundy on day. the beach and uh yeah she was out there man she was doing let it all hang out mm. and yeah she's a smoke show she's one of the best actresses working today and she can you know Whatever she you want to say, she can absolutely carry a project, and she proved that. Um, she's funny. She's some... dramatic. Like I said, the physical comedy too, like a physical comedy, like the one-liners and stuff. Every aspect of this film that is her is is out of the park. It's just it just it's let down by some of the other things, like her friends, like the two friends that she has are just. <sighs> I love Life the dude though. Fun. He was funny. He was no, funny. No. The guy was funny. Everything he said fell completely flat for me. I loved it. Didn't did not he like just that. Had character me crack at all. it up, dude. I was like, no. he's just the weird, you know, husband of the friend or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't mm -hmm. do it. 
And then the only other one I want to mention I saw uh, today uh, along with that was Past Lives, the A24 kind of romance drama film about um, two childhood sweethearts who get reunited after 20 years in New York City. And um, they were from Korea originally, so they both immigrated to America and get reunited. And it's, uh, it's, just, it's a very touching story that never lost my interest. I was always invested in what the two main characters were going through and kind of their journey to get back to each other, even though you knew it was going to have a quote unquote, not happy ending, no matter how you look at it, it's tough to have a happy ending in that scenario. Cause you know, she's married and, and so on and so on. So it creates a lot of interesting dynamics, but Greta Lee is awesome in the lead role. And Celine song is a first time director that I could not believe that she had never uh, had any features under her belt after seeing what she did with this movie. But I highly recommend past lives. It's actually probably my number one of the year right now. And wow. I know I just saw it. So I, I'm going to sit on that for a little bit, but it's definitely in the running. So yeah, yeah it's playing uh, at Cinemopolis here uh, in, in a few days, it opens on the 30th here okay. in Ithaca where I'm located. So I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna get my way down to Cinemopolis so I can check it out. Cause I've been seeing, like I saw JD from in session film, posted a really glowing review of it as well so yeah, yeah i mean i i've, I've got to i've got to check it out and that's my that's what i really really love like yeah you see the big blockbusters and the in the big popcorn movies that you have a lot of fun with and stuff like that but i really love i love dramas and i really really love like independent style like filmmaking and things like that that's my bread yeah. and butter that's that's what i love because i loved those films take you on an emotional journey like yeah. from start to finish and that's what i love about them so much yeah, yeah, the director's really telling the story as opposed to, you know, kind of uh, translating source material, if you will. So, all right, uh, another thing that we're going to do that I assume is pretty unique, I've never seen it done before. Uh, Nick, are you ready? We're going to get into our review of The Flash. You have your prop there. I'm sorry, the what? Video. What, what? What are we reviewing? The Flash. Batman 3. Never heard of it. As I said on my Instagram. I'm now Nick from a universe where I've never heard of it. What is it? What are you talking about? Wow. Who are you? It's going to be tough to review this. <laughs> oh, man. different, though. You don't oh, have man. your peapod on. I'm ready. I, ready? Got my, I got my, I got my Cancer right. Research Institute notebook here. I'm All ready right, to go, so, baby. The Flash. Here we go. Three, two, one. Seven Bam. out of ten. Got to say it, too, Nick, Five. the audio. Five out of ten, baby. Wow. Wow. Five. And, five right. out of ten. All right. So we decided on the new iteration of the show here, we're going to give our score at the top out of ten and then dive into why it is either on point or vastly different or whatever, whatever. Obviously, I liked it a little bit more than you did based on the scoring there. Nick, you were mentioning to me that the only thing that you'd really said publicly about The Flash was that it was better than Thor Love and Thunder, which okay. so <laughs> Country is, mile there. I mean, but then again, what's not really? Mm -hmm. So five out of ten. Uh, let me think of how to. Okay, by the way, spoilers galore, right? We're doing spoiler reviews on these episodes, or do you want to do like a non-spoilery first? Again, we're talking through it, so I'm just asking. I mean, in this do case, a general thing. In this case, I would say, who cares? 
But sure. I mean, like general, like once we start doing like the show proper, proper, probably do at least like the recommend, don't recommend or whatever. Or like, I mean, they'll know from our scores probably, but you know, either way, you know, I mean, well, for I, this episode, we'll just say spoilers for this. We can just Talk get into like it. a full scale discussion about it. There's, there's, I mean, number one. So two things about that. Number one, there's not much that the public does not know about this film as it is. Uh, mm-hmm. everything about this movie was pretty much all over the marketing and you know it's already been out for what three weeks so you know at this at this point especially since this is going out to a limited audience first like by the time the regular audience might even hear it it'll be yeah. who knows how far down the line so i don't even think that matters in 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 that scheme so, of things either so i agree with you we'll just you know i think on the main show when we start doing it we'll do like a little you know five minute or less non-spoiler general thoughts kind of segment and then we'll just go full spoilers but for the purposes of this episode on the flash if you have not seen it you may want to fast forward to the end of the episode or come back when you have seen it we're gonna go full. i see i see what you did there fast forward run run real fast get to the end so so i'm interested now i gotta be honest with you Okay, I did not expect your score to be less than mine on this movie, which might be the biggest surprise for me as a movie fan um, is that I like this as much as I did because I really didn't think I was going to. I mean, Michael Keaton in the Batsuit, I knew I was going to be connected to that. I knew I was going to freaking love that stuff. But like you said, a lot of that had kind of already been spoiled for me in one way or another, whether it was the trailers or articles or you know, still images from the set or like whatever. So I kind of already knew what I was going to be looking at there. And it kind of took a little bit away from that, like, you know, nostalgic experience because it wasn't as big of a surprise. So there are some things that I really more to that. Like, let me, let me me get right in on top of that too, because Miller and and let's get out in front of it with Ezra Miller, Mm -hmm. whether, and I mean, this is, I'm, it's still so tough to me to try to remember to use plural pronouns for a single person sometimes. So if I trip over that, I'm sorry. I, I do want to be respectful of people, but say what you will about him one, one way or the other. And, you know, I feel a specific certain way about it, like whatever, but him not being part of the marketing of this movie. And I saw something on Twitter that I really, really resonated with that I think hurt this movie's box office a lot because this movie's not doing well either. We know that. No. But I think WB basically locking him in a basement somewhere and not letting him out to do any press. I mean, he was at the premiere, but that's pretty much it. All of the marketing on this very, very, very heavily focused on Supergirl and on Michael Keaton's Batman. Mm-hmm. Like he's in the marketing just because he has to be for it to be a flash movie but the majority of the marketing is all not centered around him to the point where you have keaton's batman in the movie and i want to talk a lot more about keaton's batman and whatnot you have keaton's batman in the movie almost all of his scenes i had already seen before i saw this movie because of trailers and whatnot he's not in the movie that much right and pretty much most of what he's in in the movie you've already seen in the trailers so I bought a ticket for Michael Keaton. I love Michael Keaton's Batman. I grew up watching it on VHS, holding a cassette recorder up to the TV speakers to record Danny Elfman's soundtrack. That is the movie that made me yeah. love movies. No one loves Batman 89 like more than I do. As much, sure, I'll buy that argument. I adore that movie 
through and through with every fiber of my being. I was like, I, I showed up for that ticket. So when you give me this movie that doesn't really kind of have as much of him in it as a, as I expected based on how heavily he was marketed to be in the movie, it disappointed me significantly. And I, I think, like I said, I agree with that statement. I don't know who said it on Twitter. I didn't write it down, but like I said, keeping Miller locked up and not getting Miller out in front to, to get up there, like accusations and all that kind of stuff to apologize for things, to take ownership for things and to be done with it and to promote this as his movie, because let's make, make no mistake about it. this is still his movie. Well, this is still their movie. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to trip over it. I know. I know I am. I'm sorry. I know what you meant. This is still Miller's movie through and through. He's the best part of it by a country. Mom. They are the best, but God damn it. I suck at pronouns. <laughs> you know, to your point, and to kind of piggyback a little bit on what you're saying, with the Keaton stuff real quick, I'll just say, and then I'll touch on Ezra Miller too, but with the Keaton stuff, my favorite portion with Keaton was the stuff that I had not seen yet, even though that may not have been the best stuff that he did in the movie, because it was a surprise to me. It, you know, like when he's got the long gray hair in the kitchen, and we have that kind of fight choreography playing out in the in the in the kitchen there when he was yep. making making breakfast or whatever he was making, like that shit wasn't in the trailers. <laughs> oh yeah, spaghetti. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It, that stuff wasn't in the trailers, you know. So that was really cool, and kind of seeing him as that older wise man, I thought was really cool. Uh, and then there's some other scenes a little later on in the Batcave and stuff that I didn't see in any of the trailers. But the stuff with him in the bat suit and like a lot of the action sequences I had seen. So it just didn't have the impact on me that it probably had on a lot of fans that got to see it before the trailers or before a lot of the promotional stuff. Yeah. And then when it comes to the Ezra Miller stuff, like it, it, I feel like you and I have talked about this on the old iteration of the show before with, with an actor like Kevin Spacey, for example, but it, it just, I get really, I don't know what to do. Like, as, as a critic and as somebody who talks about movies, because like I come into the film and I'm like, well, Ezra Miller's a piece of shit. Like, I can't believe he did that to that girl. I can't believe the videos I saw. And, you know, I, I don't want to support them, Ezra Miller, but Michael Keaton's in it. I'm really excited to see Supergirl. And I, I don't know, there's other aspects of the movie that I do want to support. But then it's like, well, so, I mean, thousands of people work on a film especially a film of this caliber. So I just, I don't, and I'm honestly seeking advice because I don't really know how to separate the art from the artist kind of argument that we've heard a thousand times. I don't personally really know what to do when that, when I'm faced with that, like I don't support Ezra Miller, but I wanted to see the movie to judge it as a film. You know what I mean? Not as a extension of him or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm doing the same thing, an extension of them. Right. So it, it's a really rough gray area for me personally as a movie fan because, you know, they are not the only ones that are going to be controversial in movies that we see in the near future or that we have seen in the past. I mean, I know me and you share an affinity for American Beauty, and I just use Kevin Spacey as an example. Like, you know, I'll die on a hill that that's one of the greatest movies ever made. I mean, he's a Easily. piece of shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a horrible person. But the movie itself is a fine piece of art. So yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about separating that or if you even thought about doing that when you saw the flash or 
I think you said it exactly correctly. You wanted to judge the movie on its own merits. And I think that that's all you have to take into it. Like if you want to see the movie, like you're either going to want to see the film or you're not going to want to see the film. And I, I think performance and, and weighing performance and weighing all that in, in terms of the film, I think, I think you have to set that stuff aside at the door. If you dismiss it out of hand, like there's a craft to it and say what you will about Miller there's still like a performance there that has to be watched that has to be that has to be reviewed that has to be like 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 critiqued or whatever and that's why I showed up like that's still why I went I went because of Keaton I love Keaton's Batman as I said and I was genuinely curious to see where this film was going to go exactly what it was going to do i love man of steel it's so good it's so 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 good gerald i really really love man of steel and i was excited for them to bring back michael shannon as zod and like all the kryptonians and and do all that kind of stuff because they were going to kind of be replaying with some of those beats of like dceu cinematic history and and whatnot that was all really fascinating to me i was really excited to see where the film was going to go with it so those are the reasons I showed up, but I'm going to view like everything in the film just critically and leave everything else, leave everything else at the door because here's, here's the real truth of it. Nobody knows the like a lot of that stuff is still, there's one story on this side. There's one story on this side. You can, you can condemn Miller or you can praise Miller in the public space for the things that they may or may not have done. You know, a lot of social media seems to have already judged him whether you know when he hasn't been found guilty of a lot of that kind of stuff or there's alternate stories about like the different things so like i said it's to me it's it's just you know i just it, it, it focus it becomes, on the movie the yeah, movie is the movie a, right it becomes a larger kind of like social you know experiment conversation when you go past just the two-hour movie and kind of the framework that that we're trying to review so with if that you want to have a said, debate about Miller, like a debate about Miller or Miller's character, right. that's one debate. I don't think that that debate has anything to do with the quality of the Flash, and I don't even think it has anything to do with the quality of their performance as Barry Allen in the Flash, right? At all. I mean, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, it was a really good performance. The duality and the, and basically the two different best part of the movie you had to play. Yeah, hundred percent best part of the movie. So where? Okay, so we're sitting here, and I'm thinking to myself before the episode, like I got Nick on, super fan of you know Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Zack Snyder stuff. Like I know you love all that shit historically, which which I mean is fine, even though I'm kind of lukewarm on most of it. So coming into the flash, I'm thinking it's going to be more of the same. And you give it a five, I give it a seven. So we're talking about where that where this movie went for you. It seems like maybe it didn't go where you really wanted it to go, I guess, in comparison to the rest of the universe. I mean, like, what didn't you like about it? This isn't isn't really tied to any of that kind of stuff canonically because we know that stuff's not really going anywhere anyway it's just kind of tangentially tied to it because of course you have like the whole opening sequence and things like that with batfleck and wonder woman yeah. showing up and all that and all that was really really nice i really enjoyed that whole open action action sequence except for 
And, and this is one of the biggest criticisms that I'm going to have of this film. And I'm not talking Andy Muschietti about the speed bubble thing where it was like him, like having run into like the speed force or whatever, where it was, everything was like all the timelines were like surrounding him and stuff that I got what they were going for there, that it wasn't meant to look realistic. It was meant to look more like roughly almost sketched out, which perfectly fine. But why in the speed, like fast forward version, like when you actually see the flash, like doing the whole speed thing, why was it like all like yellow tinted and like, why did there have to be like, we've already seen really, really great speedster scenes in films before Quicksilver and X-Men days of future past comes to mind. Fantastic sequence, which yes, there's a bunch of CGI at play in that sequence, but why did this film feel like it had to rely so much more on CGI? This is one of my biggest problems with comic book movies modern comic book movies and it seems to just keep getting worse no matter how much people critique it and how much people criticize it they just the the they just keep doing more and more and more of this cgi nonsense and then you get to this big bombastic fight scene at the end of it and it was just it was just a giant cgi mess it's so much cgi noise so much visual noise being thrown at the screen it's so frustrating to me as a viewer to watch this kind of stuff and you know it i mean so many things about this movie really 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 frustrated me like i mean to the point where i mean like what was aside from to just be aside from to pull in the nostalgia crowd to to really hype them up for nostalgia's sake, why Keaton's Batman? What point does it serve aside from nostalgia? What journey does that character go on in this film? Because they they allude to one, like they almost allude to this journey of him like missing being Batman, but it, it feels to me like so much of that journey was left on the cutting room floor and what yeah. we got of it wasn't really enough to sell this character's journey to me for me to care that they put him in the movie. And I said, when I first found out about this and I first saw the trailers and stuff, I said, please modern comic book writing, don't ruin like my favorite Batman and my, one of my favorite movies of all time. And it, and it, and it did it 100% did. Why is he in the movie? What what purpose does he serve? What journey does that character go on? Yeah, does, I it, don't see one. No, I agree with you. I think it does feel like a little bit of a red herring like he's kind of there for nostalgia's sake. I mean, I get the whole like multiple timelines cuz again, major spoilers here, but obviously we get Clooney later, we had Affleck in the opening, mm-hmm. we have Keaton in the middle. So I mean, we have all these different ones and then we had the fucking horrid cartoon-like drawings of a lot of the other like christopher reeve and nick cage like all these other supermen from the past and and so here's get the the multiple timelines but the the thing about those too and a lot of people have dragged those and i think rightfully so because they're they're just they're just nostalgia for nostalgia's sake they have no impact on the film whatsoever they're pointless they're literally meaningless scenes they're meaningless like they just cut to really bad cgi shots of christopher reeve and of i guess adam west batman was in there in one of them in there as well and whatever and yeah it was super super cool i guess they actually got nicholas cage to film something for that and like that was supposed to be that was supposed to be in that 
in that movie, that Superman Lives movie, that Tim Burton movie that never got made, like Superman fighting a giant spider or whatever. Like that's all that's all well and good. And I, I, I as a, as a Superman fan, as somebody who loves all that kind of stuff and loves superheroes, and loves all, that, I liked seeing it from that perspective. But what is it doing here? What is it doing in this movie? What is the point of it being in this movie? Unless you have Nicolas Cage's Superman showing up to fight General Zod, that I would have cared about. That would have been fantastic. That I would have I would have upped my up my because put these characters in the movie. Don't just try to sell me nostalgia. That's all these filmmakers, that's all this script is trying to do is just trying to sell me nostalgia. That's you know, all thing, it's trying to do. The thing that kind of got me a little bit too was all the noise around the movie too. It was really hard to focus on the movie itself by the time I got to see it. So I saw it opening weekend. It had been out, you know, to the general public for a few days. I think I saw it on a Saturday. I took my son Logan to see it Saturday night after it yep. came out like that yep. Thursday or whatever. So I saw it after it had been out a few days. And I feel like Warner Brothers and DC was like, let's show the world this movie <laughs> months in advance. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then let's, let's, you know, have everybody who's nostalgic about Keaton and, who traditionally loves comic book stuff or whatever. And uh, they're going to call it the greatest superhero movie ever. One of the greatest superhero movies ever, which a lot of people did say that. And I'm like, whoa, like, wait a second. You know, and your eyebrow kind of goes up like, wow, maybe we have something here. And then by I the time I got to see here. here, what's that? I think that movie's in here. I yeah, think, I think that movie, I think the greatest superhero movie of all time is embedded in the DNA of this. But I think it's executed so badly in some aspects that it completely yeah. loses that. And to get any, back to it what, loses any shred of that, honestly. And to get back to what we were saying before, too. I mean, I, the noise around Ezra Miller and all that stuff. I mean, it's just whether and we were even saying how we're trying to blind ourselves to that when we go to review a film or whatever. We can't. I mean, you can't. I mean, with social media today and the you news, can and, you can just log off of Twitter. You can well, yeah. because that's that's the only Lead place your accounts. That's the only place that I ever see anything about Miller. It's literally the only place I ever see people complaining about Miller. Like I would, I would very, very strongly wager uh, general audience wise who no, who nobody cares. Right. Willing to bet you anything like general audience wise, the GA doesn't care. But what the, I was going to say well, too, Nick, Twitter is sphere that has already judged him and judged them. Excuse me. The Twitter sphere that has already judged them on all these different things like already condemned them no matter what. Like, right. yeah, the Twitter sphere is very loud. It's, it's the same way that like the really hardcore Snyder fans are super, super loud on sure. Twitter, but they're, it, it, I don't, I don't really think they're the majority. I re I really, really don't. No, I, I get it. And I agree with that to a certain extent. I guess what I'm saying is though, is that with all the noise surrounding Miller, uh, whether it's just on Twitter or whatever, just having that kind of in your mind and them, because we already said that Ezra Miller is the best part, at least performance wise of this movie. And Easily. I agree with that. Easily. I, the best part I agree with movie. that. I think his performance is honestly phenomenal. And if there were no, you know, quote unquote controversies going on around him, I'm sure the praise would be raining down on him from Twitter and everybody else. Cause he does a really phenomenal job in this movie with the duality of the two characters that he's playing. Yeah, But I think that him not being involved in the lead up to the movie, like you already said, uh, I mean, really barely even on the posters. I mean, he's got his mask on or whatever, but I mean, that's just the Flash character for the most part. Uh, 
it just hurts like kind of how you take in this movie, the intake of this movie, because, because his performance is so genuine and pure and, and frankly good in this movie, you have to really, as an audience member, it has to be his movie to you. And I think like somebody like me or our mutual friend, Justin, for example, like it's more about Keaton and kind of some of the nostalgia. And I put myself in that boat too. And you already said you kind of bought your ticket for Keaton as well. So 100%. I think it just kind of like bogs down the perception of the film or the way it was intended to be perceived. And then yeah. you already touched on it a little bit, but I mean, the CGI is laughable to me. I mean, you know, I saw what Machete said and, you know, it was on purpose. And is that, well, that, I mean, I was watching the end the of the movie. Dude. Thing. <laughs> I was and like the speed the bubble movie, thing, Dick. that perfectly makes sense because I get, I get well, the that part maybe. they're going for yeah. there. But in just the normal movie and just the normal it's scenes, like I'm it, so much of it looks really, 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 really good. bad. It's not really good. bad. It looks like it reminded me of. This is the first time I've said this out loud, but it just came to my mind. This reminded me of like the early like Pixar days with like Buzz and Woody <laughs> and like the animation for their like faces and stuff. Like it was just not I mean, good. And and here's the here's the thing, like to drag other parts of this movie because I wanna I I mean there's still good things I want to talk about, but yeah. you get like Michael Shannon as Zod is easily one of the top, if not the top villain in like all the DC movies that they've done. One of the most memorable comic book villains of like the new millennium, we'll say, at least for my money. Michael Shannon's a fantastic actor. Michael Shannon as Zod in Man of Steel is easily one of the best parts about that film. He is menacing. You feel his 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 disdain for humanity by the end of it. And like you actually believe him when he says he's going to kill literally every single person right. on the planet. You literally believe him. Who, who was this character in this movie? Because let me tell you who this Michael Shannon looked like. He looked like he was phoning it in. He was not that super menacing, like evil Zod that he was in Man of Steel. Yeah. He's literally, he's sleepwalking through this. He's there yep. just to get a paycheck. And you even take like Ante Truha, I think is how you pronounce her name. Like his lead, like the lead, like female Kryptonian lieutenant or whatever she is. She was such a huge part of Man of Steel. And then they bring her back for this as well. And I don't even think she has a line of dialogue in it. I think I, I didn't even realize it was her until one of the shots that wasn't like wildly warped by CGI where I could actually look at it and, and I could actually, I could actually see that, you know? And I'm just like, I, I was, I was, I was just shocked that they brought all these different characters back and then they kind of made them like, even though, I mean, we get to the point we get to in the movie where they can't win like eventually, which I liked that was one of the things to talk about things I liked. I liked that they didn't win. I liked that they couldn't win. Like no matter what they did this timeline, like it, it, like Zod won, Zod wins. But the problem is, is like I said, you, you, even when you compare him to what he did in Man of Steel, it's, it's almost like it's not even the same character to me. It literally legitimately feels like Michael Shannon's just like, I agree. All right, fine. Let's see. Let's do this Zod thing. I get right. like, he's nowhere near. He doesn't have anywhere near the screen presence that I he agree. does in Man of Steel. Not I even agree. close. I mean, I can't remember anything he even said in this movie. And I love him. I mean, like you said, he's one of the greatest living actors right now. And he yeah. was just so he's underused like in this movie. Like, 
nothing memorable came out of this film. And when, uh, especially when, when you're you looking ever at, like, say, Man of Steel. name one other film that Michael Shannon is in where he is not a memorable aspect of it. Right. I agree. You know, I mean, you know, the guy always kills it. And I mean, even in Man of Steel, I mean, he was phenomenal. I yeah. prefer Terrence Stamps, uh, General Zod, but that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> Superman too, but that's fine. Um, uh, Sasha Cali as, as uh, Kara. Loved waste. her. Utter I loved waste. her. She, I also feel like she was under underused, which I can't. Uh, name me, tell me one thing about her, except for that she is Kal-El's cousin. I mean, that's one it. single thing about that character, because that's literally all the movie gives you. She is Kal-El's cousin. That's mm-hmm. it. Nothing. Again, the marketing was so heavily focusing on, and again, that's detrimental because it was supposed to be Miller, and they basically balked at that and said, nope, we're going to keep Miller locked in a cell somewhere. And yeah, so like ridiculously underused. Now, is she great for what she has to work with? Yeah, she's really yeah, good. She's I really, agree. really good, and I would love to see her I, return and I actually left. have the character carry like a little bit of weight, but she is so she's such a flat useless character like i said i i I, pointless to me it's it's utterly pointless like here's here's a new character like it's it's the least the least possible amount of thing you can do for a character who is supposed to have at least some kind of weight to the plot like yeah she she doesn't trust them for all of what seven seconds before she decides to come back and help them fight zod it's it everything and, and that's the other kind of things that I really, really dislike in this movie too is like Keaton when when the flashes come and they're talking to Keaton's Batman and everything like that, and and they're you know trying to get him to help with Zod or whatever they're trying to do, and he's just basically like, Yep, let's do it. Like there's not it's it's almost like there's not even a discussion in the movie right. about it. Like, there there right. there seems to be somewhere in this movie, there's this whole arc with his character about getting back in the bat suit and everything that I, I don't feel like it's there on the screen. I feel like it was probably there on the page and it's just gone. It's just nowhere. Where yeah. is it? I agree. I, you know, I mean, for me, what I enjoyed about it, cause obviously I gave it a seven out of 10 is I, I walked away from it fulfilled. Like I walked away from it. Like I was entertained. I tried to turn off that critical piece of me where I was like, kind of, just dragging the CGI in my mind. Like this is absolutely horrible. But when I took the CGI kind of problems I had out of my mind, I was able to enjoy it and they were laughable, but it didn't, it didn't hinder my enjoyment of the film. And my son really loved it. You know, he's going to be 10 years old this year and he, you know, he just eats this kind of stuff up. He loves the flash character in the comics. And uh, it was really cool for, and he doesn't know anything about the Ezra Miller controversy. I mean, obviously I'm not going to talk to him about that stuff. So, Right. You know, for him to see this character that he loves from the comics kind of come to life on screen because he was too young to see it in the previous, you know, big screen, at least. So, you know, I I just really enjoyed sharing that with him. And it was just an enjoyable movie experience for me. But I remember walking away from it when I reflected on it, you know, a couple days after and and in preparing for this review that. It does frustrate me the era that we live in. Uh, we could get into a whole big discussion about just comic book related movies in general, which is really what I'm talking about. But with a movie like this, just the era that we live in, not being able to 
be surprised in the theater, not being able to get gut punched with that. I'm a kid again, feeling in the theater when it happens, you know, Mm -hmm. you mentioned Batman 89. I mean, sure. There were trailers and McDonald's commercials and whatever else, but you know what I mean? Like you didn't feel like your heart rumbling until you were in the theater watching it. You know what I mean? And with the movie like the flash (laughs) and with the movie like the flash, like, I just can't, ex- and I mean, I'm talking about superhero movies in general now, and I'm getting on my old man on my lawn uh, take here, but I'm just not as welcome, excited. Welcome for to anymore. me in like 2014. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just not excited for him anymore, and that's a bummer because, I mean, you tell me Michael Keaton's getting back in the bat suit. I mean, I should be, you know, rolling around in my damn yard, you know, making snow angels or whatever, and I just. I mean, it was exciting, and I, I enjoyed seeing it, and I'm glad that it exists. But at I mean, the same time, I don't see... feel the way I felt back then. All it's, it's great to see all the action sequences with him as Batman. Just, again, super wonderful. That amazing shot when he's in the Batwing, and he jumps out of the Batwing and is flying down, and the, the Batwing kind of drifts up into the shot over the moon to give you the Bat yeah. signal. Like, all that stuff is super, super great. It's amazing. Like I said, I... This was the easiest sell you had to do in the world to me. All you had to do was put Michael Keaton's Batman in this movie and make it mean something to me outside of the fact that I love Batman 1989. And that is the crime for me is that they didn't do that. They just, they wanted to cash in on my nostalgic love for something. And that's not enough for me to give a movie a positive rating. That's not enough for me to even tick up a positive score. A movie still has, like, you still have to have a reason to me to have that character. Why are you bringing this character into this movie? Why, other than to sell tickets and to just bring the audience in for nostalgia's sake? And that, like, watching the movie, I felt like that's the only thing he was doing there. And and, yeah. and that's the biggest heartbreaker of all like, to me because like why? Keaton, what he's got in the movie, like the scenes he's got in the movie, he's fantastic. The dude's still got it. He's a yeah. great actor. He really pulls the, the great dramatic stuff off with the character in this film. Why doesn't he get more to do? Why? I mean, here's a simple little thing that I think would have made a huge difference to go a long way in what I'm kind of talking about with the nostalgia and kind of like getting that rush. Why did they have to show in the trailer where he says, let's get nuts? Just I'll just use that one little example. Like, why couldn't they have saved that for the feature and you saw it for the first time when you saw it? Or, or counterpoint, why could they just not make him say it at all? Because it was one random oh, yeah. one-off thing he said to the Joker once when he was in Vicky Vale's apartment. It's not <laughs> like it was his catchphrase or something. Like, they literally threw it in there because they wanted to. It's the same reason when he comes out in the bat suit that they the whole movie stops and they're just like oh there he is and they're like yeah i'm batman the whole shot is yeah. it's, it's just for the audience it's just for nostalgia's right. sake it doesn't mean anything to the movie it's pointless exactly it doesn't and that but from a nostalgia perspective that's what i mean though cuz then you take the nostalgia away from it too because now you've seen it yeah. so you know it's going to unless they don't put it in the movie but i mean You've already witnessed it. So, like, the excitement comes from seeing it in the trailer. Like, oh, Michael Keaton's as Batman again. He says, let's get nuts. Oh, my God. I've got a boner. You know what I mean? But then when you see it in the theater, it's like, well, I already saw it. I know he's going to say it. Yep. So, I just, if you're talking about nostalgia, just hated how they, the mark, and, you know, the marketing I hated for this movie. I mean, I had friends seeing this two, three months ago talking about how, you know, it's the best thing since The Dark Knight and, and all this other shit. 
And if it was for them, then that's that's great, and I'm excited that they enjoyed it that much. I just think that the hype um, leading up to it kind of hurt it. The marketing kind of hurt it, I think, leading up to it, or the lack I, of marketing. I didn't have a lot of anticipation going into the film. I really didn't. I was excited to see Keaton. I was really excited yeah. to see Keaton's Batman, but I didn't have a lot of hope that the movie was going to be any good at all. I have been very down on superhero cinema across the yep. board as of late, I very famously swore off going to superhero movies ever again after Thor Love and Thunder because it was so bad. And this was, I mean, this was uh, light years beyond what Thor Love and Thunder is, make no mistake. But it just, it's, it, it, it just, it, it didn't do enough for me. I want to talk really quick, though, because we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about the actual plot of this movie and why I think this movie, why, why the one thing about this movie that works so well is Miller's performance is yeah. his dual performances or their dual performances. It's so, <sighs> I, I really, really love the decision in the script to bring in himself as a younger Barry. And then you've got the older Barry, who's wiser, who's gone through the tragedy of losing his mom and then having his dad taken away from him. Why was Ron Livingston his dad? Why didn't they just get Billy Crudup back? I don't understand that, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. He's not really that big of a, a factor in the movie. But I really, really love that you take the older Barry, who has had the tragedy of losing his mother and all these kind of different things. And then you bring in this young, youthful, optimistic Barry who hasn't had to live that life. He's had both of his parents. He's had a much more idyllic and kind of ridiculous life. And I think it's naivety on the older Barry's part to think that he can give him his powers or give, I mean, he inadvertently gives him his powers, but I, I think it's naivety on the older Barry's part to give him those flash powers and then still expect kind of the younger Barry to end up being like right. the older Barry, you know what I mean? Right. And I really love that there kind of becomes that breaking point in the film between those two characters of the younger Barry's refusal to stop trying to change it when no matter what he does, he can't, he can't change it because the thought of it is so horrible to him when the older Barry realizes the only way to even try to set things right is things have to play out the way that they did like that scene like dude like that was the one part of this movie that really really gutted me when he goes back to the store and he has to take the tomatoes out of her cart yeah like dude the, like miller's performance just in that scene alone is better than superhero movies ever get or probably even deserve it's right. so good it's such a good performance even just in that scene alone it's utterly heartbreaking that and the weight imagine if you can as a second as an audience member the weight of that decision that you have to let someone that you love like literally more than life itself die right it's uh, that's the genius of the script that's that's where all of its strength was derived from right not and, uh, keaton and, is batman not yeah. supergirl not zod not any of those other different elements that's the elements that this script needed to focus on was more of the duality of the two berries more of well that's where that the kind heart of, of the movie is too i mean it's that's where 100 heart of the film is 100 story and in, that's in... literally all five of my points right there it is it is that good like their performance is that good as the dual characters themselves. And then, like I said, it's like 
you get that like he's kind of naive in the beginning where he's talking to he's talking to Affleck's Batman and he's like no 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 I can fix it I can go back I can change things I just can't interfere or interact with anything else in the thing so all I have to do is just this one thing you right. know and I love how quickly that spirals out of control and which of course it would I mean that's everything yeah, of course it would yeah but yeah like yeah. that's like un it's unbelievable how and good also brought we didn't talk performances about performances in that. Yeah, I agree. And it also brought a little bit, like when you talk about the younger Barry, when he goes into that timeline, that also brings in a little bit of the comedy, which we didn't really talk about yet either. Because, yep. you know, DC's gotten some flack for, you know, jokes landing awkwardly or whatever and trying to be on par with the MCU's comedy or however you want to say it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it not I thought it was pretty, like, kind of heartfelt, touching humor. Uh, yeah, when, the two, when the two berries were together in this movie, I felt like I liked it. I liked, you know, younger Barry for the first time, like sprinting out of the house and his clothes burn off and he's like standing out and <laughs> right. like naked and all that stuff. Funny. Yeah. yeah, it had it had it had good funny moments. I, I, I enjoyed those. I enjoyed those aspects of it. Really uh, it was a bummer. To, it was a bummer to stick around. And uh, the force comedy or some of the force comedy came in the hidden scene at the end with Momoa. I don't that was kind of weird. Did you stay for the? Oh, yeah, I saw. Yeah. In yeah. Crime. I, I mean, was that like a setup for the next Aquaman or something? Like, what I, was I, it? I, I really don't know. I mean, I it was just Momoa drunk yeah. falling into a pot. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was supposed to be funny, but also was like, why did I stay for this? Here's the thing. Someone who cares more about this stuff, like these superhero movies and like their continuity and stuff. I've seen so many people complaining about this whole DC reboot and oh, people didn't go watch it because they know the universe is going to be rebooted. Nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> right. cares outside of your stupid Twitter bubbles. Nobody cares. The why general do audience you, doesn't care. Why do you think, I mean, this is obviously just our opinion, but why do you think the movie is failing uh, financially? Because did the trailers to you stand out as anything i mean the keaton aspect of it aside but did they stand out as anything to you other than oh this looks like another like super noisy cgi superhero movie no you know what and i'll no it didn't and i'll i'll tell you i just thought of this and i stand by this 100 if michael keaton weren't in this i probably wouldn't have seen it yeah, okay i probably Fair wouldn't want to see this movie but I, th I think I think wholesale, I think that superhero movies and Marvel even, like people used to love Marvel so, so much. Marvel could do no wrong. Marvel movies were like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and everything like that. And ever since Endgame, the little chinks in the armor have started to show. Mm -hmm. And project after project now, even the Marvel stuff is starting to go on a decline. The general audience is already not hot on the DC stuff anyway because love it or hate it for whatever your reaction to it is a lot of you know the Zack Snyder stuff is pretty divisive and a lot of it falls in the middle for a lot of people yeah. so I think superhero cinema in general has been trending downwards in terms of quality look at Thor Love and Thunder I didn't see Quantumania but I heard that was an absolute disaster uh, I watched Black Adam that was unfathomably bad a lot of these superhero movies are getting worse and worse and worse and worse and i just think the general audience i think the audience is getting tired of it i yeah, just I don't do think too. they care anymore you I know i really don't think they care anymore and, and and they just they seem to me and and maybe this is just me but they seem no matter how much we as a collective people have said please stop making these over-the-top cgi noise fest finales in these comic book movies they just keep making them more and more and more 
effects driven, stupid, silly nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you got one every two or three years and it was an event and, uh, you know, there was a great buildup. And now it's like if you go six months without one, there's something wrong. You know, it's, it's a saturation issue, too. There is it, there is a, a huge, a huge market saturation issue, too, because not even just the movies, but you've also got literally there's a new Marvel TV series. TV every like, month. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with it's, Disney it's, Plus it's, and everything else. Yeah. This stuff, it's, it's way too much. And. No, it, it gets to a point where it's just like literally it's just mass produced. I mentioned a lot of the time in like the old days on EFG and stuff like that, like Marvel's coloring books, like they're paint by numbers movies. Mm-hmm. And they've become even more of that in in the interceding time frame. Like I used to complain about that stuff literally in like 2014, 2015. And it's gotten 10 times worse. These yeah, are cook- it has. all these superhero movies are so cookie cutter anymore. They might have one or two great elements that stand out really well, and maybe it works for you. Maybe it doesn't. If you enjoy it, great. That's amazing, but it's it's got to do more for me. It's got to do way more for me. Well, let's do a quick wrap-up on The Flash here. So, you know, for me, uh, like I said, I gave it a 7 out of 10. I, I think it's an enjoyable movie experience, especially for someone like me who is pretty low on the DCEU for the most part. Uh, I mean, every movie they've put out, there's bits and pieces of it I like and different characters that I like and that stick with me. But this is the first uh, movie in quite a while, not counting Zack Snyder's Justice League that came out on HBO Max. But aside from that, this is the first movie where I've kind of enjoyed it from beginning to end. Um, I really do think, you know, Barry, the Barry's story is at the heart of it. And Mm -hmm. without Miller's performance and without that kind of uh, foundation it it would literally just be ugly cgi noise with mm-hmm. some mixed in nostalgia yep. so the irony is i would not have even seen this movie had it not been for some of the nostalgia bait that exists with mm-hmm. uh particularly with keaton and uh, i really wanted to see what they did with supergirl which i enjoyed i thought she was underused but i love the actress and i love kind of seeing that character on screen again because you know i haven't seen because I didn't watch any of the the WB shows or whatever, so I haven't seen Supergirl on screen since the '80s. Yeah. So it was really it was really cool to see that too. Even though she looked much different um, visually, it was a great uh, experience to see that character on screen as well. So, you know, for me, if you are not kind of tired of the regurgitation from the superhero genre, I feel like there's a lot to like here with the Flash. That the CGI is horrid. I mean, that is easily number one on my list of cons with this movie is just laughably bad uh no matter what machete or anybody else says it just does not look good it does not look worthy of a big budget superhero film in my opinion mm-hmm. um but you know if you can kind of turn that off for a second which i had to do when i watched it uh the younger you are the more you'll probably enjoy this movie as well if you have young kid not young kids but if you have you know preteens or you know yeah, teenagers, yeah, yeah they for would, sure they, they would probably enjoy it as well Yep. So, yeah, The Flash is a 7 out of 10 for me. I think it's an enjoyable superhero film, which coming from me is saying a lot because I'm kind of over him. Uh, Nick, what are your final thoughts on The Flash, brother? Don't waste your time. Period. End of story. <laughs> Done. Don't waste your time. There's. It's not that there's not good things about the movie, but for, for me, they're not worth sitting through just... I mean, I mean if, if, if you want to go to the theater and just have characters and things just chucked out you because of nostalgia sake or for nostalgia's sake then you know whatever i no just don't don't even waste your time just don't just literally stop wasting your time and give it it's lazy all this 
all these superhero movies are so lazy anymore and uh, and I'm and I'm over it. So we're going to do a segment at the end of each episode called the comment section where we head over to the comment section to see what the fans have to say. Now, me and Nick are going to handpick one question each week that gets posed to us in the realm of the discussion. So tonight would be about the Flash or superhero films. And uh, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I've got one and I've got a backup. I'll let you go first. It's your show. So, this, is, this is your this is your baby. You do it. We've got, you know what we've kind of inadvertently uh, talked about a couple a couple of these already, which is which is nice. And I, I yeah. thank you first of all, uh, thank you everybody who got back to us in the comment box. It's uh it's amazing. Thank you. So, um, the one I was going to, well, yeah, see, we kind of already talked about that a little bit. Um, so my number one was from from Tony, a good friend of the show, has been for many years, patron of the show. He said, would this movie have been received any better if they had left some of the cameos and plots out of the trailer like Keaton's return? And then he says, in my opinion, people would have lost their mind finding that out in the theater, and that would have driven positive word of mouth. When you know everything that's coming from the advertising, it loses the payoff. That is exactly what I've been saying for the duration of this episode, Tony. Uh, Nick, what if, if we were in a world where... Wait, let it me get there. Not... Wait. Let me run. Let me let me run really fast and get there. Hang on. Wait. Wait. <laughs> get there. Okay, I'm I'm there. I could see. I could tell by the CGI you were there. Um seriously though, like could you imagine if they didn't spill the beans, if nobody knew, if they kept a lid on it, the movie premieres and the word of mouth starts going. You got to see this. There's a cameo in this that you're not going to believe. Um, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think we're, what do you think the box office is looking like if that's the route that they took? Because they spoon fed us the Keaton stuff. And I, I, I will, I will say, so I got two answers to this. This was my number one as well, by the way. So I'm glad we picked one in a backup. All right. So fantastic question, Tony. And I think to answer it from the perspective of the Keaton thing, I think if you're, marketing and i think if you're the studio that's almost too big to keep under wraps because you have to sit there and weigh it it's like will the keaton cameo like will the positive word of mouth from this outweigh if people see that keaton's batman is coming back holy cow everybody loves keaton's batman everybody's going to want to tune out just to see keaton's batman you and i both bought tickets to this movie because of keaton's batman how many other people can say that exact same thing? A lot, a lot of people that saw this movie saw it for Keaton's Batman. So like that point established, I think from a studio perspective, I understand them wanting to front that. Now, follow up from that. I think that Supergirl should have been left out of all of the marketing. I think we should have seen maybe, maybe even just a flowing shot of a cape or like a shot of like, the super suit or something because in the movie Barry thinks he's going to save Superman. He thinks that right. Superman is in captivity and it turns out it's not Superman. Imagine if the audience finds that out even mm -hmm. at the same time as at the same time as the characters in the film do that even would have been way, way, way bigger. Like I said, you know, I, I get, you want to have, 
I mean, number one, all the CGI cameos, Christopher Reeve, Adam West. No, get him out of here. But like, I, I even get like, hey, you get like Nicolas Cage in here and maybe he wouldn't do like the whole thing or or like whatever. But like, seriously, like get. I loved just other quick, characters I, in here. I loved the Clooney one. Just so you know. Oh, the I Clooney, was, the Clooney thing. The Clooney was thing great. was great. The Clooney thing was, was one that really, I didn't know about. Did you know about that prior to? No, that one I did. That I one I either. did not know about. That yeah. one I absolutely did not know about, and I really, really loved it. I didn't and, either, and I and I dug it, which I think is a little bit to Tony's point too. Is like that one yeah. did kind of like holy shit, <laughs> George. Clooney. Yeah, I think in a perfect world, in this world, in this world, in which Miller has all the trouble that Miller has had, condemn him or not. That was that was hurting this movie, so they yeah. pivoted to the Keaton and the everything else in the marketing and whatnot. Yeah, they I think almost had to. no matter what, if you don't market those aspects and you focus, if all of your marketing, especially from the studio perspective where they kept him buried, which is why to circle back to that point that I made earlier, that comment that I saw on Twitter, it was the biggest mistake they made was burying Miller and not having him be any part of the marketing, not getting out in front of all the stuff that he's been accused of and all that stuff and taking some ownership of it, making some apologies and things like that and making some yeah. statements. I know there's a lot of ongoing legal stuff, so it's tricky to what he can and can't talk about, what they can and can't talk about. Sorry. But, you know, I, 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 in this world, no. In a perfect world wherein Miller is Hollywood's golden person, person. <laughs> in, in which, in which Miller is Hollywood's golden person and like, seeing the trailers everyone is like oh my god i love them so much i cannot wait to see the flash i cannot wait to see ezra miller's take on this character continue etc et then et you have Keith. then yeah, yeah. then yes uh i think i think i yeah. think it requires both answers in that case but uh, yeah, i agree i think it's in a this world of, never would have happened exactly i think it's a result of the climate around it um, yeah exactly but i agree with toxic you, but... the toxicity that surrounds it so what whether that be you... toxicity from Miller, the movie itself, or from certain aspects yeah. of some segments of fandom around the movie. Yeah. So what question did you choose from the old comments section there, buddy? Uh, I chose good buddy, good buddy of mine, good buddy of yours, Mr. Chris Yaney. Yeah. And his question was, would using Grant Gustin as one of the berries have helped in your opinion? Uh, full stop. No, absolutely. Emphatically not. Stop this nonsense of the Flash TV show and Grant Gustin and all this stuff. No. No. <laughs> Emphatically oh, no. What about having him as one of the horrid CGI things? No. If he was a cameo in the movie, if he showed up just as a different Flash to help out do other stuff. Yeah, sure. That's And, and, and see, here's, here's the thing. This bugged me about like Spider-Man No Way Home, too where it's all just characters and, and things that we're familiar with. Why don't they, they, you're going into a multiverse with limitless possibilities. Why don't they just, why don't they chuck a few extra characters in here? It, and because they just chucked the characters that are in this movie in it for the heck of it anyway. Why not, why not grab us an, a, a different Superman from a different universe? Why not grab us a different Batman or a different, what, just, just throw them in there, throw them in there. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. But no, absolutely not. I think the best aspect of the movie is the duality of young, uh, naive, but he's led this like like idyllic life, Barry, versus the the older like having experienced tragedy, Barry, 
both played by Miller. I think it's I think I think it's great. I think it's a masterstroke in terms of the performance that they give, and I think it works incredibly well to to the script. It's easily the best part of the film, easily. Well, as we're recording this today, Nick, and then we'll wrap up, but I guess you saw the casting news for Superman, David Cornsweet. I think I'm saying that correctly. I have no idea who that person is. I have no uh, idea. I saw the announcement, he, but I, I have no idea who it is. The only thing I know him from is he had a small role in a movie called Pearl that I really loved last year with my girl Mia Goth in it, of course. Uh, that's the he only said, thing he I He said know he hates him. her now, guys. He, he told it in confidence. Nah, he said he, he I didn't say that. 100% said it. Uh, he's a newcomer, though. He's only been in a few movies, and the only one, I, like I said, the only one I know him from is Pearl. But, yeah, I've, uh, I've literally never seen him in anything. So, I mean, he looks the part. Definitely looks yeah. the part. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, he uh, looks I'm, like I'm uh, Henry Cavill, to be honest. I mean, younger Henry Cavill. So, anyway, I mean, um, well, except for maybe Tyler Hoechlin, the guy that plays him on the Superman TV show now, like the Superman and Lois TV show now. I'm, I think every cinematic Superman has looked pretty similar. Like Reeve and Brandon Routh, even like they all yeah, true. look pretty I mean, similar. Superman, yeah, yeah. Like they definitely Superman. cast a specific type, uh, like facial structure wise for for Superman. They all look pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you're my Superman brother, and our first episode is in the bag here, and I enjoyed it, even though the movie was, you know, not necessarily a master work that we're sitting there talking about, but it was a good discussion. And this is going to be for the patrons, at least up top here in the beginning when I get it uh, thrown up there on Patreon. So please comment on Patreon or on social media and just let us know what you thought of the flow of the show. What segments did you like? Uh, what should we cut? What should we add? Uh, and we'll be kind of tweaking it over the next month or so leading up to the official premiere of the show, if you want to call it that. So we're going to do Mission Impossible. Barbie. Yeah, for Barbie. But we're going to do, what are we going to do? Mission Impossible. We're going to do a test run on that one. Yep, we're going to do Dead Reckoning. uh, Maybe one more before Barbie, but we'll have to see what's coming out. I'm not sure. What else comes Um, out besides besides indie, which I'm seeing indie on Thursday? I don't don't fucking care. I mean, what? I wish I cared. I just don't. I just don't care. I don't care. I mean, see, like I'm more excited to see Indy than I was to see the Flash. I'm I'm literally more excited to see Indy than I was to see the Flash because Indy just has Indy. Indy always has like a great energy to it. There's always an energy. Now this will be James Mangold, not Spielberg, for the first time. So it'll be interesting to see if he do love Mangold kind of energy. I do love Mangold as a director. So I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful. I just don't know if I'm going to see in the theater. So. I'm on the PC in a theater. I'd see it Thursday. See it open. I'll, uh, I'll hit you up if if um... we could. We don't have to do something that's coming out in theaters either. We can just no, pick no, like, yeah. a nostalgia movie and then we can review it too. Yeah, we could do that too. We didn't do the roulette wheel on this episode. So we'll have to figure that out for the next one because we can uh, do like a screen share or whatever and spin. A well, wheel. we're only going to do that if we don't have something to cover, right? Or something. Yeah, but I'm saying we'll have to do it to lead up to that. Oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah, like we're, uh, we're we're gonna have to plot out the schedule like ahead of time, at least to a certain degree, and then we know if it's like okay, well, this week we don't we're not watching or we're not reviewing anything anyway. Right. So yeah, let's pull out the roulette wheel for this show, for this show, for this show. Or, yeah, whatever. Well, we'll definitely do Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. I got an early screener for that, and I'm excited. I got my tickets up. already. I can't wait. I'm really debating. I haven't decided yet, and I kind of want to, but I don't have a lot of free time, especially right now. My work is insane. But I really want to take the trip to Syracuse and see it in IMAX. I really, really want to see it in IMAX because it's going to be worth. It is going to be worth the price. That's of the, the kind of movie, IMAX. yeah. That yeah, one is one hundred percent kind of movie. 
Yeah, that one in a movie like Oppenheimer, or let's do IMAX. Or I care fun. much less about seeing Oppenheimer in IMAX than I care about <laughs> well, seeing... Well, you know, Nolan's a psycho, or not though. Top I, mean, Gun, but... I mean, Nolan's a psycho, though. I mean, Oppenheimer's going to fucking... be shot very well. I have no yeah. I have no, no debate about that whatsoever, but... I mean, Nolan makes his, like, home movies on Thanksgiving in fucking IMAX, you know what I mean? The guy's a psycho. It's true. Um, all right, so, Nick, I love you. I know we got to come up with the sign-off, too, but uh, we don't have it for this episode, I don't think. Get out. Did I tell you? I told you. Did I tell you a sign-off, or did I tell you a sign-off? No. Uh, you said you were going to just lay on a lot of expletives uh, at the at the audience and things like that. I think and I also, about... you were going to finally reveal how much you hate horror movies now, and you were never going to watch them again. That's not. Man, you're really trying to bring that out, uh, make that a thing, aren't you? I... Um... I feel like maybe I was, we were just going to say what the next week's movie is, but we don't really have that right now. The next one will probably be Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, and we'll do that for the patrons and give it a little test run. Yep. Um, I think that's it. So collectively, our score for The Flash would have been a 6 out of 10 because Nick gave it a 5, I gave it a 7. So there you go. The two Ps give it a 6 out of 10 for The Flash. Uh, Nick, I enjoyed speaking with you, buddy. You're a good person. I hate that it's a passing score. But I'll live with it. Yeah, I'm. I, I messed it up. I'll I can't live. believe you, I gave you it ruined it. You did. Yeah, you ruined it. I thought you were going to come in. I've been and honestly, I've been back and forth about my score for it between a five and a six. And but ultimately, it, it it comes down between five and six. It comes down to do I recommend other people see it or not? And no, I don't. Yeah, no, I hear that. If I gave it a six. Six is six is my lowest recommend, and I and I can't recommend that people see it because doesn't have a lot of value well once again outside of outside of cheap nostalgia to me yeah once again gerald fucked that up man i'm sorry once again gerald ruins everything ladies and gentlemen um be good to yourselves be kind to yourselves uh take care of yourselves until until next time uh we have been the two bees on a hive cast to the new piece the new piece is what we're being coined over on social media the new piece. All right. So we'll get together soon for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That is a long fucking title. Uh, but we'll be there for it. Nick, oh my, talk to you then, man. The universe where Dead Reckoning Part 2 came out. And oh my God, you can't wait to see it. It's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you went Did there you buy and came that? Back. You didn't buy that. No. 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 The CGI, was I, I couldn't buy it. It was too. Not quick. It was too spotty. Not-